This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for January 23rd, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. In this morning's Gospel lesson, we have uh, the story of the calling of some of the disciples, James and John and Simon and Andrew. And it's an interesting story if you think about it, because they had been fishing. And Jesus is walking along the shore, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for men. Now, a lot of people get confused, because we just talked last week about the calling of Andrew, which was in the past, but that doesn't, you know, in, in down south near the Jordan, the two things aren't necessarily contradictory. They could be two different traditions of what happened. It could also be simply that they had gone back north and Life had kind of done what life does, and now it was time to go do that. I mean, we don't really know. I don't know that it's really all that urgent to figure that out. So when we say the calling, in your own life, I suspect you've found that, that God doesn't just call you once and say, okay, now I'm done, and you're finished. I mean, it's, he's always calling. matter of fact, the phone rings so often, you almost wish it would quit. And so... As he's walking along, you know, you had to imagine this. They've been out fishing. That's what they do for a living. And Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fish for men. Can you imagine what that sounds like to a fisherman? Especially at the end of a hard day's work. Number one, is, what do you mean follow you? Where are you going? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be your If I said to you, well, come on, follow me, when you all go, where? <laughs> That would be a logical question, wouldn't it? I mean, how do I know I want to follow you? He didn't bother to tell them where, did he? Told them what they'd be doing. He didn't bother to tell them where. And secondly, the whole concept of fishing on land is sort of an odd concept. And you can imagine if you were a fisherman and you had the tools of the trade, you're wondering, do I bring my nets? I mean, we're going to go into town and throw them over people and haul them in? Or I mean, <laughs> what does he mean, fish for people? And what's remarkable about it is their response to him. Did you catch what, the, what, what Matthew tells us? What does it say? Immediately. They just did. Which begs the question for us today is what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, there are a lot of people who claim to be Christian. Um, I guess that means that somehow or other you're affiliated with the church. I wonder how many of us would claim to be Christ followers. That we're actually following him. And if he wants us to follow him, I wonder how many of us are going, I tell you what, you get back to me on where you're going, I'll let you know. I'll talk to you about it. What do you think it means to be a Christ follower? Today. I worry about back then. You're trying? So, if I said, follow me, and I go off in the other room, and you're trying <laughs> to get there, that, that would make you a Ron follower? listen to God's voice. See how difficult it is? 
Hmm? You just go do it. He says, okay. You follow. You know, if you've ever done dog training, one of the great things about dogs is that dogs are, are God spelled backwards and they really have the system down. You can train a dog to say, come, and the dog immediately gets up and comes. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Um, that's, they don't question that. They don't say, you know, well, I'm, let me think about this for a moment. Well, I should rephrase that. Some dogs don't. <laughs> uh, but the dogs that don't, why is that? Now, the dogs that do come, why, why are they doing What does that mean, though, to recognize your authority? Why do they? Because authority, if you think about it, is something that's given. I mean, power is something coercive that you push on your... Authority is something that someone offers to you, that, that I offer. And, and Jeremy, was it's trust. that They believe that you know what you are doing. So for all of you who can't get your dogs to listen to you, that should tell you something about... <laughs> About your dog's opinion. They don't believe you that you know what you're doing. And for those of you who have cats, that should tell you something about that relationship. <laughs> well, I, they would just say it's because they're smarter. <laughs> and so to follow Jesus is to have this almost blind kind of trust in, in what it is that he wants and what it is that he's leading you to and what it is that he tells you to do. Um, it's not conditional. It's not based upon, explain this to me so I'll understand it. It's based upon trust. You know, it's an amazing thing. When I was growing up, I lived in a neighborhood surrounded by Roman Catholics. And, you know, it seemed like the house across the street from me had 12 kids. The house next door to me had 14 kids. And the house next door to me had 11 kids. And... um, Dinner time was interesting. This was the, the 50s when I was pretty young. And, um, and the parents would come out at different times, oddly enough, it might be good, and they would call the kids for dinner. And when they would call the kids for dinner, they would just scream out every child's name in order of descent. In every family, too. I mean, it was the most remarkable thing. And, and what's really astounding about it was that all the kids would come running, you know, from all over the neighborhood because it was time for dinner. Now, I grew up in a family with, my sister was the only other one in the family, and, and um, she was like six and a half years older than me, and so didn't have much to do with me, really, but, I mean, I was a little kid. So when they would shout out, there were so many names, and they were being said so fast that I ran, too. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I got dinner at somebody else's house. I kind of always figured the parents figured, well, what's, you know, you got 14, what's 15? <laughs> what difference does that make, right? Um, and if they just wanted one kid, they always came out and they went down through the whole list, <laughs> yelled all the names, all the kids would come running. Why did the kids do that? I don't know, they outnumbered them. I'm not real sure if they feared them or not. <laughs> yeah, but why were they obedient? Yeah. 
Because, well, they trusted them. I mean, they knew that even if they were in trouble, they still trusted them. I mean, they didn't think that, oh, gee, you know, I've got to run away. They thought, oh, gee, I'd better go and face up to it because I'm going to be in worse trouble if I don't. And there was this element of just living out life awaiting the moment. Awaiting the moment when the parent calls, in the dog's case, when the master calls. And what Jesus is telling us here is that in our case, it's when he calls. Do you do that in your life? I mean, do you live out your life day by day listening for that voice to cry out for you? You know, to say, do this, go there, turn here, say that. Because that's what being a Christ follower is really all about. Now, unless you feel too bad, because I suspect that many of you don't, um, I can honestly tell you that I've been working on it for a long time, and there's still too often that I don't. I'm getting better, but i got a long way to go. It's not a new problem. We read in the epistle today that apparently this was an issue in the church because Paul says to the church at Corinth, I have heard from Chloe. Now, he wrote this in a letter to the whole church, and you have to kind of picture this. The letters are then read out loud to the whole congregation. So he's reading this letter. I have read that Chloe has written me and told me that some of you are fighting with each other. Would you want to be Chloe that morning? Chloe's going, oh no, he used my name. I can't believe he told me. (laughs) And as she sinks down in her pew, lower and lower, he says, it has come to my attention that some of you are saying that I belong to Paul or I belong to Crispus. There's another leader of the church there. Or I belong to Cephas, which is Peter. I belong to Apollos, who was another evangelist like Paul. And what they meant was that those were the people they listened to. Those were the people whose voices they followed. Those were the people that they believed. And Paul says, did Paul die for you? I thought it was nice that he used his own name as the example as opposed to one of the other people. And he's saying, you're not supposed to be following any of us. You're supposed to be following Jesus. Is Jesus divided somehow or other? You know, and very often that's sort of what we end up seeing with the church these days, and it's certainly what the non-Christians see in the church these days, is that if Jesus is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ, he seems to be rather schizophrenic and totally unable to agree with himself. Either that or none of those people are listening. Because all too often, they're squabbling and disagreement about how things ought to be done and what ought to be done and who ought to do this and, you know, what color the carpet should be or whatever. I mean, it's the most amazing things that we can find to argue about. Unless you think that nobody would argue about what color the carpet is. When I was um, on the vestry in my home parish, um, we spent three meetings at Vestry arguing every night till 12.30, 12.45 about whether the carpet should be red or brown. And I can honestly um, tell you that I was one of the main instigators. <laughs> I was bound and determined that a church's carpet ought to be red. Willie um, Pratt, God rest his soul, one of my favorite people in the world, 
insisted that the carpet had to be brown because it was a multi-use church. It was, it was just one room. We had to use it for a parish hall and, uh, and, and you were going to be coffee stains on it. So we spent three months, and we didn't wait just for the vestry meetings to do that, by the way. We also argued on Sunday and whenever we got together. And, uh, um, we never came to blows, although I think there was a few times Willie thought about hitting me. Um, and my priest had this nutty idea that we wouldn't decide until we could be in total agreement, um, to which then we all wanted to hit him. But um, And the movement would sway according to how much thought we'd given to it and how, much, how persuasive our arguments were. I'm proud to say I lost that argument, uh, and I was wrong. Um, there were coffee stains all over the brown carpet. I can't imagine what they would have looked like on a red one. And it would have been awful. And Willie, to his dying day, never let me forget that I was wrong, I might add. Um, I go, yeah, 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 everybody gets it right once in a while. But that's what we do, isn't it? And it's not limited to church, by the way. Isn't it what goes on in families? We argue about right and wrong, you know, whose idea is the correct one. It's true in politics. It's true at the workplace. We divide up into cliques. You know, it's true in school where, you know, you got the popular kids and you know, the jocks and, you know, the cheerleaders. I mean, you got all these different groups of kids. And if you're not in that group, then you're not cool with that group. I mean, it's what we do. I follow Paul. I follow Crispus. I follow Apollos. And all the time we claim the title Christian. Does it seem like there's a disconnect here? You know, ultimately, if we truly want to be Christ followers, then what we really have to do is put aside our own decision making, our own sense of right and wrong, our own sense of, of morality, our own sense of our well being. And certainly not for a person. That's why you should never follow Paul or Apollos or Ron or anybody. You know, you're one boss at work or another boss at work or this popular kid or that group. Because ultimately, if you follow a human being, you're going to be led astray because they're human. And they will lead you into perdition. If you really want to go the right path, then you follow the good shepherd. You follow Jesus. And any time that anyone is saying, you need to listen to me, your first thought ought to be, not really. <laughs> your first thought ought to be, I need to listen to Christ. And so when you're at work and somebody's saying, you need, I've been doing this for 35 years, I know what I'm doing. Well, that's really good. Jesus has been doing it for eternity. He knows better. <laughs> Listen to Jesus and always strive to hear what it is that he wants. Even when you're trying hard, by the way, sometimes there's just so much noise around you that, that you can't hear. It's like being in a restaurant where it's real loud, you know, and people are talking, you see their lips move, but you have no idea what they're talking about. And sometimes life is like that, and sometimes we go the wrong way because of it. We sure ought to be attempting always to hear the voice of Christ and to do what he wants to do. 
I'll tell you a, a funny story to end with. The other night I was going to the movies, and um, it was with some parishioners, actually, and, and we were driving, and um, we dropped the wives off because it was cold um, and went to find a parking place. Well, the movies were packed. I mean, there was no parking place anywhere. And so I thought, well, I'll go down this road. And then, there's nothing. And I go down this road. There's nothing. And the other person with me goes, oh, there's a parking place. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but it's only in the back. I don't want to walk that far. And I, I, I mean, really what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, Jesus, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to park back here? Do you want me to park? You know, what's going on? And so I'm driving around. I go up probably about four times. And after that, would you believe that a parking place opened like three cars down from the front of the front door of the movie theater? Now, I would like to claim that's because I'm really brilliant and smart. In truth, I'd given up. I was going down that aisle because I was going to go back to the first place. They said, look, there's a place all the way in the back that's open. But why did I go down that row? Well, because I kept asking Jesus, tell me which row to go down. Now, do I believe that Jesus drugged somebody out of the movie theater, made them get in their car, move it, Ron Baird's coming, he has a place of privilege, you should put that, you know, he needs that, but no. What I do believe is that he knew who was leaving. He knew where they were parked. So who else would you listen to? Now, if it happens in such mundane situations of life. And, and if it had been one time, I would tell you that, yeah, that could be a fluke. But quite often, it happens to me a lot. I mean, it happens so much that everybody in our family now, when we pull in a parking place, just goes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, it's that common. And I think that, that Jesus did that with me, not so much because I need a parking place up front, because Lord knows I probably need the exercise more, but more so so that I know that it's important to listen to him. And to follow him. Even on little things like which lane of the shopping center do you turn down? Because all of those little decisions ultimately lead us to the big decisions, don't they? And so when you go to work tomorrow, school, you know, whatever you're doing, visit with friends, family, ask yourself, who am I following? Am I following some guru, some person I admire who I think is brilliant, some idea? Do I, am I following um, my own you know, destiny, my own uh, design and desire for what I think my life ought to be? Because if that's your answer, I can tell you right now you're doomed to fail because you're imperfect. And begin to say, Lord, I want to trust you. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. You know, give me that gentle nudge in my soul that shows me what to do or tells me what to say. You know, when you're in those moments that are difficult and you don't know what to say, stop and say a little prayer in your mind. Say, Lord, give me the words. I don't know what to do. You know, when you're about to scream at your kids, that's a real good time to say, Lord, give me the words to say. I don't know what to do. <laughs> And it's amazing because he does care about everything in your life. He cares enough that he's counted every hair on your head. So he certainly cares about the work that you're doing, no matter how mundane it may seem. He certainly cares about where you're shopping and what you're buying and what you're doing. Not because those things in and of themselves are significant, but because a lifetime of those things 
leads to a pattern of life and expectations and hopes and dreams. And we can live out our lives creating our own, but they will be fallible. Or we can live out our lives seeking the real reason why we're here and living out the purpose for which he created us and fulfilling the real reason that we were born from our mother's womb to begin with. Can you think of a more fulfilling life than that than to be on your deathbed knowing that, Lord, thank you. You provided me with all these opportunities. And, yeah, I messed up sometimes, but I'm so grateful for all the times that I listened because my life is so blessed. For me, the most poignant moment of that was when Randy Raybould died. Some of you know Randy. He was junior warden here for a while. Randy died of ALS. And when Randy died, um, he was 48, I think, um, young man and, and truly a wonderful person. What he wanted was his family there with him. And, and I went over, and they were sitting there singing hymns to him and reading scripture. And he was smiling. And I know that he died in the Lord's arms because he died in his family's arms. And I know that he died being who God called him to be. I hope that that can happen for me. I hope it can happen for you. Because see, it doesn't really matter when it comes, does it? What really matters is who did we follow. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.